we are not going to give up, even though it looks like they might have the votes in the uh, U.S. Senate to confirm her. We are not going to give up. We are going to fight to bring down this nominee. America's on the brink of losing what our forefathers and past generations have fought for. My guest, Matt Staver from Liberty Council, will discuss this. Also, Joe Biden nominates a promoter of infanticide to the United States Supreme Court. Stay tuned for how you can be part of defeating this extreme nominee. Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show, is brought to you by Created Equal, and you can support our work by going to createdequal.org. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can also find out more there at markharringtonshow.com. That's markharringtonshow.com. Today, we're going to try to tackle several issues. First uh, of those is free speech. We're going to be talking about the shot mandates We're also going to be talking about Dobbs v. Jackson. And then, of course, uh, the news broke last week. Joe Biden has nominated someone uh, to the U.S. Supreme Court, Ketanji Brown Jackson. So we're going to be talking about that on the program. And in order to do so, I have Matt Staver. And Matt is the president and founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Matt, thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. Good to be with you. So let's jump right in. Uh, we got a lot to cover here, Matt. I know you argued before the U.S. Supreme Court recently in a case out of Boston regarding the Christian flag and uh, First Amendment issues. Could you give us an update on that? Yes, we're waiting on a decision from the Supreme Court, but from all predictions based upon how the oral argument went, it looks like we're going to win this case, perhaps with a very significant majority, if not a unanimous decision. We'll see. The decision will come down at least sometime between the end of uh, June and now. Uh, But this case comes out of Boston. It involves Hal Shirtliff, the founder of Camp Constitution, which trains individuals, particularly young people, on the Constitution. And during Constitution Mm -hmm. Week, which is a nationally recognized event, in September of 2017, Hal wanted to gather in one of the public forums in Boston outside of the city hall where they have their public forums, which includes some of their flagpoles that they have as public forums open to all people, all applicants, and they have for 12 years allowed many, many people to fly their private flags along with their private event. That happens generally at the same time. So those are very temporary displays of the private flag happening at the same time of a private gathering, typically below or at or around the flagpole. For 12 years, they had 284 applications, 284 approvals, no denials, and Hal Shirtliff was 285. And what happened is his was the first one censored in their 12-year history up until that time, and also even after that. He was the only one censored after that. And the reason is, is because on the application, he referred to the flag as a Christian flag. Mm-hmm. And it was that word Christian that caught the mm. attention of the city, and they censored it solely because of Christian. So understand, the flag itself was not the problem. The flag is a white flag with a blue square in the corner and a red cross in that blue square. It's the Christian flag. Some of you may have seen it flying mm. sometimes in churches or other places. But it's called the Christian flag, but it wasn't the flag that was the problem. The flag could have flown for about one hour during the celebration of the Constitution event, 
if he had called it anything besides Christian. In fact, uh, Commissioner Rooney said, if you called it the Camp Constitution flag, if you used any other word to describe the flag except for the word Christian, that same flag would have flown. So that's clearly viewpoint censorship based upon a Christian viewpoint. It depends upon how Hal Shirtliff viewed the flag. If he viewed it as a secular flag, he could have flown it. If he hid that it was a Christian flag and disguised the words to something else, he could have flown it. But if his viewpoint was that this is a Christian flag, then that was what caused the censorship. Okay. And that's what uh, we argued at the U.S. Supreme Court. We lost uh, amazingly twice at the lower court, lost again three to zero twice at the Court of Appeals. Very surprising to us. We thought we would win all the way through. But the Supreme Court saw the problem with the case, took the case, and I argued it on January 18. And frankly, I think the argument went very well for us and not very good for the city. Now, what I understand is you argued that it violated the uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act or RIFRA. Is that correct? No, actually, I, I or, did or that First Amendment to the military and the shot. Okay. I, I argued that right. it violated the First Amendment free speech clause because okay. of viewpoint censorship. They allow a lot of different kinds of speech. They, in fact, allow pro communist China speech, pro Mao Zedong, which that particular revolutionary ruler brought communism into China and killed tens and tens of millions of people. And there's an organization that flies that flag to celebrate Mao's revolution every single year. They allow that in that public forum, but they wouldn't allow this flag because it's Christian. In fact, they've actually allowed the Bunker Hill flag, which celebrates or acknowledges the Battle of Bunker Hill. That flag is virtually identical to the Christian flag Instead of white, it's blue. Instead of the uh, corner being uh, red, it's white, and it has a red cross. So it's almost identical, just in a reverse color scheme. That one has been allowed to fly in honor or recognition of the Bunker Hill battle. But Commissioner Rooney said if that one had been called religious as well or Christian, that one would have been censored as well. So again, the symbol wasn't the problem. The flag wasn't the problem. It was the viewpoint of the person. And okay. in fact, after the oral argument, I was speaking out in front of the Supreme Court to the medium. And a man who's a U.S. citizen now, formerly uh, born and raised in Sudan, said in his country uh, where he lived and was born before coming to America, he said, if you profess Jesus Christ as Christian, you would get your head cut off. You would be beheaded. But if you denied him, you could live. He said what Boston wanted Hal Shirtliff and other people to do to, is to deny Christ, to deny that this was a Christian flag, essentially. And if you did that, you could have all the benefits of the public forum. But if you acknowledge it for what it really is, a Christian flag, a flag that honors Christianity, then you get censored and punished. And that's, in fact, what happened. So it looks like you're going to have a victory there on that case. Let's move on to the uh, the mandates, the shot mandates. You're representing two service members, uh, a Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel and a Navy Command serv uh, Surface Wealth uh, Warfare Officer. Explain to us what's going on there. We we understand all the you know the, in the last what six eight months the mandates being handed down by uh, Joe Biden. They were struck down when it came to private corporations, upheld for healthcare companies and organizations. And you are challenging the mandates when it comes to our service members. 
if you would give us uh, an update on those. Yeah, we're challenging mandates across the board, including the service members. We filed suit in October 2021 on behalf of uh, members of all the branches of the Marines, uh, of the military, all the branches, including uh, the class of individuals, the whole class. So we mm -hmm. represent about 30 plaintiffs representing every one of the branches of the military. And we're also asking for the entire class, all the men and women in all the branches of military that we haven't specifically named, but who are similarly situated to be protected as well. Two of these individuals, a Lieutenant Colonel in the United States Marines and a commander of a Navy uh, surface warship were mm -hmm. facing punishment on February 2nd and 3rd. Uh, the commander was going to be removed from his command of the warship. The Lieutenant Colonel was going to have her name put in the officer's disciplinary notebook, which is a career ending event. And we ultimately got a temporary restraining order regarding those two on February the 2nd. That uh, continued for about 10 days. We went back for a follow-up hearing after a nine-hour hearing. Several days later, the judge on February 11th issued a preliminary injunction, and he literally castigated the military for violating the Federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act and said that okay. they were violating the law. Uh, these individuals clearly had sincerely held religious beliefs. Their beliefs were burdened by these shop mandates. And the court order said that the military was rubber stamping these denials. They were not engaging in individualized assessments. Okay. They were not showing that they had a compelling interest for each one of these individuals. They were not showing it's the least restrictive means. For example, in the Navy warship, the Navy warship commander is the commander of that warship. 320 people serve under him. This is a surface warship uh, that deploys all over the world. And in 2020, 2021, before and after the uh, COVID shots came available, before and after the mandates, they've been able to deploy without any problem. They've done different kinds of risk management protocols, and they've been able to engage in their mission without any problem. What's happened? What's changed? Why do they need this now? Nothing's changed. Because in fact, on October, August 24, uh, the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin issued this mandate. And the mandate is get this shot, even if it violates your religious beliefs, even if the military is violating the federal law and the First Amendment. And if you don't get the shots, you are going to be discharged from the military. We're talking mm -hmm. about a commander of a Navy warship, one of the few military commanders in the Navy that's nuclear authorized. His warship's not nuclear but he is trained in nuclear. We're talking about Lieutenant Colonel of the United States Marine, graduated three times in three different military schools in the top of her class, is an incredibly uh, talented and uh, successful African-American uh, woman within the United States Marines, was recently selected for a battalion command in Bahrain. And they want to literally take these kinds of individuals these courageous individuals whom we've spent millions and millions of dollars in training and boot them out of the military if they won't inject a substance into their body that conflicts with their sincerely held religious beliefs. The judge uh, issued a sharp rebuke to the military. We're still waiting on the judge to issue his ruling next to cover all of our plaintiffs and also to cover all the men and women and all the branches of the military. And we expect that decision to come down any moment.
Yeah, and I'd like to ask you about that when it comes to morale of the uh, U.S. armed forces and readiness. We're seeing this now uh, with the war in the Ukraine, the United States, you know, who knows what will happen soon if we get engaged in some kind of conflict, not there, but maybe somewhere else possibly. It just seems to me that uh, with the mandates, I personally have a friend of mine who's in the army that has refused to take the vaccine and therefore has been put, you know, kind of given a desk job. He's not deployable. They've just basically pushed him, you know, aside. His career is on hold. He could easily lose his, uh, his, uh, you know, enrollment in the U.S. Army, all the benefits. He's been in the Army for almost 10 years. There are a lot of people facing that. I don't think, uh, you know, what, what do you what do you think the uh, effects are on morale and readiness? I mean, I don't know how many people have left the uh, U.S. Armed Forces over this, but many have. They're very discouraged. Uh, this was a battle they weren't prepared for to fight against their own Department of Defense and face yeah. the prospects of dishonorable or, or discharge of some degree, paying back mm-hmm. education expenses, paying back uh, their cost of training for some of them for like pilots, it's up to $12 million. They never anticipated this. The morale is low. Uh, in fact, in December, just a few days before Christmas, one of the members of the platoon of one of our plaintiffs committed suicide. He had a, an exemption mm. request pending, but he was being uh, threatened with discharge and all of these uh, payments that he would have to pay. And he took his life just a few days before Christmas. Uh, our plaintiff, who is in the Marines, was called in by a counselor just on December 20, the 3rd, 2021, and uh, counseled. Uh, all the members were counseled uh, for grief counseling. And the counselor said it was specifically because of the pressure that this other Marine was facing that he took his own life. Uh, we have chaplains that are telling us that the rates of suicide will increase, already have increased, and the morale is terrible. We have one person who is a high-ranking individual and he has to report to work every day. He goes into a room with nothing there except for a chair. He is not allowed to be on the computer or do anything. People come and check on him once in a while to make sure he's not doing anything and that he's in the room. And that's his daily activity day after day. They are humiliating these individuals and pressuring them. And then some of those, for example, Lieutenant Colonel in the Marines, one of our plaintiffs in this case, told me that some of these individuals that had the same kind of convictions that she did and others like her uh, that submitted to the shot, they now feel like they've let God down. So they have long-term consequences of just depression and uh, like yeah. they've been a failure. Uh, they're still in the, in the military, but now they feel like a failure. And of all times, as you said, Mark, we need our men and women ready for we, we are in a very tenuous situation with what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, right. China and, the, and Iran. The Chinese and the Russians are watching what's happening for sure Absolutely. with what's going on with our military and the, and the shot mandates. My guest here is uh, Matt Staver. He is the founder and chairman of Liberty Council. And you can find out more by going to lc.org. That's lc.org. Uh, you can also uh, look into if you are facing uh, the you know, possibility of being mandated to take the shot. There are, uh, there's an entire page committed to that on his website at lc.org with some um, basic boilerplate language, some ways of walking you through 
if you face this kind of situation. Matt, we got a little bit of time left, and I want to get your take on Dobbs v. Jackson, Women's Health Organization, and Biden's nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court. So let's jump in with Dobbs. I know that you're hopeful, as I am, that they're going to overturn Roe. Why is that? Well, I'm hopeful because they took this case. Uh, the two lower courts actually uh, struck down the law, relying upon past Supreme Court precedent. And the question presented to the court was, did they err in relying upon your past precedent? Well, the answer would be, well, if they relied on our past precedent, obviously they didn't err, even though we think it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But they took that case. And why would they take right. it? Because they're going to review and reconsider their past precedent. I think we have a very strong possibility in this case of really gutting Roe, if not completely overturning it. That's my prayer. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. filed an amicus brief in this case showing how this abortion decision going back to 1973 has pushed eugenics, particularly has had a very negative impact on minority communities. It's exactly what Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood envisioned. Uh, and that's in fact still happening today. So we're asking the court to close the chapter on that terrible racist uh, eugenic history that really shredded the constitution with Roe v. Wade. I believe it will happen. Certainly if not this case, I believe we're gonna see it come very quickly. And I pray that it's the Dobbs decision this year. Well, we join you in that hope, and we've been praying for that as well, and uh, preparing for a post-Roe America. I think we need to be ready when and if that happens. And if it doesn't, we'll continue the fight irrespective of the decision of the U.S. Supreme Court. Finally, Matt, I want to ask you about uh, Joe Biden's nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court. Katanji Brown-Jackson is his official nominee. What are your thoughts on her? Well, first of all, I think it was a shame that he tried to divert attention from what was happening in Ukraine because he did this on Friday of last week, uh, right in the midst of all this uh, Russian assault on these poor uh, innocent individuals there. But this particular nomination is going to be, it's already supported by NARAL and the pro-abortion group. They've already, no doubt, vetted her for a very liberal constitutional Mm -hmm. uh, activist position. So she's not gonna adhere to the rule of law and she's going to be a vote in favor of abortion. For now, that's not going to change the court with Breyer in most of these cases because he's already been on that side anyway. But it'll elongate in terms of the number of years since she's much younger, that particular position for a very judicial activist role. I think uh, that this nomination is very problematic because it was clearly based not upon quality. It was based upon other uh, factors, racial factors, and trying to placate his constituency. And obviously, they found somebody who's going to vote on Roe v. Wade or on abortion the way that uh, they want her to vote. What do you think the likelihood of uh, derailing her uh, confirmation is? I know that, uh, you know, it's a 50-50 Senate, but I I personally expect a couple of Republicans to probably throw in with her. Yeah, you might have a couple of Republicans uh, that are more pro-abortion to vote in favor of her, who actually did vote in favor of her for the District of Columbia Court of Appeals uh, position. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be close, but it's not over yet. We're certainly not going to give up at this stage because it's such a critical situation. We will definitely be joining you in that battle. Again, my guest has been Matt Staver. He is the founder and chairman of Liberty Council. You can find out more by going to lc.org. That's lc.org. Matt, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. It's been my pleasure to be with you. God bless you. God bless.
Hey, friends, I want you to uh, take action by joining us in our opposition to Katanji Brown-Jackson. That's Joe Biden's nominee to fill Stephen Breyer's seat on the U.S. Supreme Court. As Matt Staver said, we are not going to give up, even though it looks like they might have the votes in the uh, U.S. Senate to confirm her. We are not going to give up. We are going to fight to bring down this nominee. So if 50 uh, Democrats vote for her nomination, then uh, the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, will throw the tie-breaking vote in support of her. So we need to uh, convince at least one of those uh, Democrat U.S. senators to vote against Katanji Jackson-Brown. So we're going to be uh, deploying some of our assets into some of these key battlegrounds, these U.S. Senate battlegrounds, using our truth truck and our tow banner airplane. Our truth truck will display aborted baby images on the sides and rear with the words overturn row. And we'll take those into some of the larger cities in these states. We'll also be flying a tow banner over them over these cities as well, that also has the words overturn row, as well as vote anti-abortion. And we'll be taking these, uh, these signs to these key battlegrounds before the hearings begin in Washington, D.C., which will probably be within a month or so. So it's urgent that we get and hit the ground running here. So we're asking you to support us and you can do that by going to our website at markharringtonshow.com. You can click on the donate link, which will be at the bottom of the page. And that'll take you to Created Equals website. And you can give to this effort. We're calling this our Key States Outreach uh, to defeat the nomination of Katanji Brown Jackson. Again, go to markharringtonshow.com. That's markharringtonshow.com and click on the donate link and go ahead and give towards our effort. Uh, once the hearings begin and we've completed our educational efforts in these key Senate states, we will be on the ground in Washington, D.C., raising up the standard of life and the gospel in the public square. The hearings will be held in Washington, D.C., and we will be there to raise awareness about what this woman believes on child killing. So once these begin, we will have several public outreaches and events to speak out for the unborn. So we could definitely use your help. And again, if you want to support our work, go to markharringtonshow.com or you can go to createdequal.org and donate to our ministry. We're trying to pressure some U.S. key, key U.S. senators, Democrats and Republicans, really, to vote against Katanji Brown-Jackson. And finally, as I speak, our team is on the road with our justice ride, and that is our premier project, our training project and outreach project, where we train the future generation of leaders. We, we load them up into charter buses, and we take them on the road, and we train them in the classroom and on the bus, and then we take them out in the public square, such as college and high school campuses. And as I speak to you right now, we are on the ground in the state of Florida. We'll be visiting the University of Florida, the University of Central Florida, and the University of South Florida this week. So we, uh, we covet your prayers for our young people. We've got about 80 of them who have loaded onto these buses and are on the road right now. This is a short-term mission trip for them 
to get their, uh, I guess, feet wet as it relates to activism and teaching them to uh, learn pro-life apologetics. It's actually our entry point here at Created Equal. Uh, it's the beginning of what we hope might be a pro-life career with us. Many of these young people go on to uh, be part of our summer internship, which is held here in Ohio and Columbus during the month of June. Uh, and then they may even go on to staff with us and become full-time pro-life activists. So you can find out more by going to justiceride.org, justiceride.org. And if you're interested in sending your young person on one of these trips, let us know. And finally, soon uh, after the Justice Ride, we got a lot going on here, friends. <laughs> we got this nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court, which we're going to oppose. We're going to go into these U.S. key states here, the, uh, the, the Senate states. We're also going to go to Washington, D.C. We're in Florida right now. But our, uh, our semester program called Road Trip for Life will be launching very soon as well, where we go uh, for a week at a time into states like Iowa, Illinois, we're in Ohio, we'll be heading to Michigan and other places where we go from campus to campus, high school to high school, abortion center to abortion center. It's our road trip for life. And uh, all I can say is this, folks, we do what's necessary to change hearts and minds on abortion. And we go to the demographic that matters the most. Those who are vulnerable, that is young women who are considering abortion, and our future leaders and decision makers who reside on college campuses and high school campuses for the most part. So you can support our work. Go to MarkHarringtonShow.com and give financially to our effort to oppose Katanji Brown-Jackson and our justice ride and our road trip for life. So we'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.